You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlin. I love this series because we've been focusing in on who God is for this time. And we've been looking at the passage in Isaiah chapter nine, talking about how he's a, He's the Prince of Peace, he's a mighty God, he's an everlasting Father. And in fact, that's the title of my message today, simply Everlasting Father. I'm gonna show you a picture of the back door of our house. It's actually not really the picture of the back door of our house, it's the picture to the steps leading to the back door of our house. And our house was built in 1924 and it's in Fountain Inn and there's all kinds of adventures when you have an old house. And this is the back door of it. And you can see the CPI sticker. So don't mess around with us. We have super security. You can see the charter internet cable. By the way, Lord have mercy. If you have kids and the internet goes out, it seems like the fourth horseman of the apocalypse is coming down. So that charter internet cable, good gracious. And everything shuts down without internet. I mean, like nothing actually works. Anyway, I think that's actually in Revelation that the internet gets cut off. The leaves, by the way, they have overwhelmed our house. Like we have multiple large trees. Before this house, I'd never really had a house with trees. And so I didn't know, I didn't understand. I always wanted trees in a house. And now that I'm experiencing A, the squirrels, which by the way, squirrels happened after the fall. I want you to know when sin came into the world, that's when squirrels actually started <laughs> causing all kinds of problems. They are, they, they're sin is what happened. That's why squirrels are here. But leaves everywhere. I just at some point gave up because I can't. And so anyway, the reason I'm showing you this picture is because we're outside as a family having a great time. And one of my sons decided to stick his head through the railing. Because why not? You know what I'm saying? You ever just look at something and be like, why not? I want to see if this can happen. We're having a great time. And all of a sudden you hear, Help! (laughs) Didn't take long to figure out what the problem was. Head stuck in railing, the very railing that I'm showing you. And if you ever noticed, by the way, if you've ever gotten stuck in a place, how like when you first get stuck, you go through these mental things of like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then you try to get unstuck and realize that you can't get unstuck. And then the giant panic button goes, and I could see my, I mean, he's just like this, like, trying to, and I'm like, son, just, you know, just relax, just rest a little bit. Everything's going to be okay. If worst case comes to worst case, you can live out here. I'll bring you a blanket. Everything's fine. Like we can feed you through this. Like you're going to be okay. I mean, sure. You'll get older, maybe never get married, but listen, God loves you and has a plan for your life. So good luck. We'll see you later. I love you. That's good parenting, by the way. No, it's, Hey, listen, man, don't, don't panic. And, and you're gonna be okay. And, and you know, eventually get his head unstuck and, and he's fine. And since that moment, there's not been another head stuck in the railing as of yet, although I'm sure another one will happen at some point. Let, let, me, let me start off this everlasting father thing with a thought, ready? It's hard to have hope when we feel stuck. I mean, it is. It's an emotion that all of us in this room have felt. It's one of the most normal feelings we can come across as human beings, regardless of where we've been or what we've experienced. It is so easy to feel stuck, to feel stuck in a job, 
to feel stuck in a relationship, to feel stuck with our finances. If we feel like somehow, some way, we seem to be doing better, all of a sudden that medical bill comes in the mail and you're like, holy cow, did it really cost $4,000 for this? Yes, it did. And so we try and get ourselves unstuck and this is where weariness can set in for all of us in this room when we feel like, because you know, when, I don't know if you can go back when you were a kid. I don't know if this was like this for you, but when you were a kid, you had this whole world in front of you and you, you're like, man, I can do all these things. I remember when I was a kid, my dream was to be an astronaut. I'm like, I can be an astronaut. Why? Because I wanted to be able to fly. How cool would it be? And you don't really fly. You just kind of float around and twirl. But I'm like, man, how awesome would that weightlessness be to experience? And then as I got older, I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to be an astronaut. I didn't, the amount of math to be an astronaut, like just that by itself. And then here's something else. I hate roller, I hated when I was a kid. I love roller coasters now, but I hated roller coasters. It's the biggest roller coaster. And the G-forces, I didn't know. And it's just this interesting thing that can happen that when you're younger, everything is possible. Everything is in front. And in fact, a lot of the movies and shows that you watch, they promote this, everything's gonna be good, everything's gonna be okay. And then as you get older, you realize, well, you know, things can be hard. Not everything always goes the way you think it's gonna go. And then as you live life and you have curveballs thrown your way and different experiences and you find yourself kind of stuck in a situation or in a job, or you, you could name the emotion, name the feeling. Feeling stuck is very real. In fact, I bet if I had the chance to hang out with all of you, get to know your story, hear your story a little bit, there's probably a lot of people this morning that feel stuck, feeling stuck. It's not easy. And yet, how do you have hope when you feel like you can't seem to maneuver? And I would advocate today that the thing that can help us have hope again is actually coming in contact with God. And, and maybe you grew up in church and so you've heard the Christmas story. Maybe your whole life you've seen the manger scene. Maybe your whole life you've sung the Christmas carols and you've gone to church on Easter and so you know about Jesus and how he died on the cross. But sometimes something that you've heard so much that is so familiar can also be something that you take for granted. And so how do we remind ourselves how do we come in contact with God? Now, for just a moment, I want you to put your big, like, take your imagination for a second. No, okay, let's say this. For the last 10 years, superhero movies are everywhere, aren't they? And, and when I was, listen, I asked my kids, what superhero do you wanna be in? In our house, it's a battle between Batman and Superman. And, and so, like, my son has this bathrobe, it's a Batman bathroom, and just discovered that it has a top that can cover his head. So you walked around the house, I'm Batman. Superheroes. Now, superheroes have all these incredible powers, but there's very few superheroes. <laughs> Don't know what I just said. That's the Greek word, by the way, for superhero. And very few superheroes have all the powers in all the world. But when I was a kid, I always had, well, I'm the most powerful one ever because I'm invincible with everything. I can do anything I want. I am all powerful. That was kind of my thing. And so, especially like when you're a kid and you're like, you're getting to you know, pretend fights with other kids and before it's the, I, my dad can beat up your dad, it's the, well, my powers are greater than your powers. Anyone have those? No, just me? Okay, I had a weird childhood, I guess. Anyway, <laughs> superheroes, we're fascinated by powers. Now I want you to think for a second. The ground that you walked in on and the ground that we currently are on was created by him, by him simply speaking it. 
He can stop time. Imagine stopping time. What would, how can you, how can we even wrap our minds around that? Our son, there's all kinds of songs and about the sun, worship songs, the rising of the sun and the going down of the same. There's passages of scripture about it. History, cultures, entire cultures have devoted themselves to worshiping the sun. The sun is one star in a Milky Way galaxy that we are a part of. And do you know there's over a hundred billion of them in our galaxy? Just try and wrap your mind around that. And how did he create that? Well, he spoke it. This is God who spoke it. He can stop time. I'm fascinated by very powerful things. I find big waves fascinating, like rogue waves. If you ever study those things, I'll watch video. Sometimes if I can't sleep at night, I'll go down a YouTube rabbit hole. I know you don't do this because you're busy praying. I get it. I'll go down a YouTube rabbit hole. One time my YouTube rabbit hole was big waves. And the amount of big waves that I watched was incredible. I mean, I just watched big waves. The Bible says that he said, silence be still and waves just went down. And by the way, back to the galaxy thing and I'm taking you everywhere because I'm a little ADD myself. Not only is there 100 billion stars in the Milky Way, we actually don't know how many galaxies are in our universe. I want, even if you're not a math person, we estimate our best guess is that there's over two trillion galaxies. So if there's two trillion galaxies and in one galaxy alone, and Mars is not the biggest galaxy, our galaxy has 100 billion stars. Imagine that. So the next time you're at the beach and that sun is blaring down on you and you're rubbing like SPF 100,000 on you so you don't get you know, burned, that's one in the midst of trillion, trillion, trillions that God spoke into existence. So I would advocate that a lot of times when we feel stuck, our go-to move is to, for God to come get us unstuck. God, you do this thing over here. We tend to look at God in our circumstances and I'm, I want you to see that this Christmas season that one of the best ways that we can recover and have hope isn't just to see God move in our circumstances, it's actually to come in contact with God himself. And if you grew up in the church and you've heard the stories, coming in contact with God himself is incredible. In fact, that's why I think this passage in Isaiah is so beautiful. We've been looking at it this whole time, but how would God, the, the one who could stop time and calm the waves and the one who created everything that we see, the ground we walk on, how would God describe himself to us? Would he describe himself as so distant or so different? How would he talk about who he is? Or would he make himself in a way that we could understand him? And by the way, the reason why we have eternity with God is because he is so big and so awesome, there is no end to him. That's why eternity, that, that's why it's hard for us to fathom because he's just simply more. Right. Amen, come on brother. He's more. And so how, how would he describe himself? That's why Isaiah is beautiful because God comes and he says, this is who he is. And Isaiah 9, you've looked at this verse this time. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called, this is how God is describing himself to us, a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. His government and its peace will never end and he will rule in fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. 
So he describes himself as a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. And think about this. God who is high and lifted up, how was he born? He was born in a manger. You know what this means? He was born accessible. In other words, he came to where we were and he came to where we were in such a way that we were not ashamed or embarrassed to go to him because he was so distant. This is a God who doesn't do things the way we think he would do them. And then when he shows up on the scene, he goes, I want you to know what I am like because hope is found in me. And so if you wanna know what I am like, I'm like a wonderful counselor, I'm a mighty God, I'm an everlasting father and I'm a prince of peace. In other words, I'm here and you can know me. Like you can actually walk with me and know me. Now there's bits of who God is that we, we will never be able to wrap our minds around because he's simply more, but there's pieces of who God is that he's made available and accessible to us. And this Christmas season, how beautiful it is for those who are weary and stuck and tired that we can remind ourselves that we are not alone and we are not alone because there's an everlasting father. It's beautiful. Now, let's ask this question real quick. How can the Messiah, who is God's son, also be the everlasting father because the Trinity, there's God the Father, there's God the Son, and then there's God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. How can the Son be the Father? Well, I wanna give you a different way of actually looking at what this Father phrase means. It's not saying God the Father is in God the Father in the Trinity because there already is a God the Father in the Trinity. Let me tell you what, what Isaiah is saying here. He's saying he's our everlasting Father, and let me give you two other words that you could put in there, ready? He's our everlasting author. He's the author of all things. He's also the source of all things. He's everlasting because there's no beginning and end to it. And so what Isaiah is saying here is he's sending a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, and he's sending, ready? The author of everything. The Bible says in Colossians, and I think this is beautiful, that Jesus, the Son, the Messiah, is the one who created everything. He authored everything into existence. And when he created everything, you go back into Genesis chapter one, the earth was formed without, the earth was, oh, holy cow, I should, I should actually put this down. The earth was formed and without, what, is it? Void and, Void and without, thank you, thank you, thank you, brother. You hooked me up right there. Man, that confuses me. The earth was void and without form. Whew. Put that, change that for a second, service. Make that good. All right. So he's the author of everything. And it's incredible. And he creates this creation where we can walk with him. And then, of course, we know the story. They eat of the fruit. And sin enters into the world. So you have an everlasting, I'm going to use the word author. Colossians says that Jesus is the one who created everything, the author of everything, and not just the author of it, but the sustainer of it. So he's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, and he's an everlasting source of everything or the everlasting author of everything that we see around us. And actually, Colossians says this, he created everything we can see and everything we can't see. It comes through Jesus. So here you have the son coming into the world. He's the everlasting author of everything, he creates everything, and then sin comes into the world. And sin is devastating because it brings darkness in. And darkness is the condition that wraps around our world. And I remember when I was a kid, it was hard to sleep at night without a little nightlight in the corner. Now that I'm a dad, 
Darkness can feel scary. It can be difficult. Obviously, in darkness, you have a hard time seeing around you. We, we, we got, uh, my grandmother gave us her piano, a piano that I had when I was a kid growing up, and we put that in our house, and we put it right at the exit of our door. And the amount of times that I have walked out of our bedroom door and hit the piano at night has been unbelievable. Stupid piano. We have in our house, that's, that's a, built in 1924, we ha- I have a nail that's in our dining room, right in be- it's like right in a walkway between the dining room and kitchen, and this nail, with the changing of temperatures, pops out like a, like a quarter inch. And I put it back in, and it pops back out again. The other night, your pastor, who by the way, the Lord helped me with this, was walking in darkness, and I hit that thing full square on with the bottom of my foot. And I said, thank you, Lord, for giving me an opportunity to praise you in the midst of this time. Thank you. You're laughing because you're like, uh-uh, that's not true. You need to go to the prayer team about that one. You need to confess something. This stupid nail and a stupid... Darkness. Isn't it amazing how, and by, and by the way, and that, that, that's the silly part of darkness, but there's also a really serious part of darkness. How many people have been lost? How many people have been trapped because of it? And I, in fact, actually, when you look at Genesis again, and Genesis 1-3 says this, as God is making the, the with formed without void thing, in <laughs> verse one, I should, I need to, yeah. That's the opposite of, okay, yeah, all right. Y'all look that up for yourself. I'm giving you guys good nuggets for your own stuff. In Genesis 1-3, I can't remember anything of this message, just that I couldn't say that. I, I can't wrap my head around that for some reason. After that part, it does say this. He says, let there be light. And he speaks light into existence. And then, so he creates everything. Our author is the light. Darkness comes into the world because of sin after he created and spoke light into existence. And then in John chapter one, this is how John describes Jesus coming into our world. I want you to see this. He said this, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. How beautiful is this? So the God that said, let there be light, darkness enters into the world, and that same God says, the the everlasting author, the Father who created everything says, I'm coming back to the world to bring my light to where the darkness has overtaken. And in John 1, it says this, the light shined in the darkness. I mean, it brings light into our life. And this Christmas season, the everlasting Father, who's the everlasting source of light into a dark world. I'll put it to you another way. Into a world of people who feel stuck all the time. That light is a person and he wants to walk with you. It's incredible. 
Let me give you some just quick thoughts and then we're gonna wrap the message up and get a chance to worship this incredible God. Let me tell you two things about this light. These are very simple, ready? His light wants to shine in our hearts. And let me give you some, some thoughts about this because, by the way, First John says this, that there is no darkness at all in God. In other words, so here we are as a people wandering around in darkness, trying to figure our way through life. God is light, and what does he do? He shows up onto the earth again to bring his light to redeem and to buy back all the places that have become broken. And where is the place that God wants to shine his light the most? It's right here. It's where you feel stuck. It's where you feel tired. It's where you are discouraged and where you are hopeless. And this light wants to shine in this place to remind you that in a dark, broken world, a God who is the source of everything loved you enough to come into it, cares about who you are, cares about the fact that you feel stuck, cares about your family, he cares about what you do for a living, he cares about your finances, he cares about your kids, he cares about your future, and he wants to redeem your past, that this light wants to shine right here. There's nothing that can compare to it. But let me give you some sub-thoughts real quick, ready? About God's light. And this is just a reality for a lot of people. At first, God's light can feel uncomfortable and maybe even a little painful. Because as we move from darkness to light, your eyes have to adjust, don't they? Sometimes, you ever someone shine a flashlight in your eyes? It's like, ah! Can I get really, I'll get really transparent for a second. For years, for years I wrestled with looking at images online that I shouldn't. That way you don't have to explain that to your kids. But you understand what I'm saying. I mean, it's just like addicted to it. Like, like people are in this room right now. And I thought it was something that I would never be able to overcome. Can I get even more transparent? And this, is, this story I've shared with you guys in the past already, but one of the reasons that I wrestle with that so much is because when I was a kid, I was exposed to abuse and experienced abuse and exposed to that stuff from an early age. As a seven, eight, nine, 10 year old kid, those images were, this is back before internet, but were brought in front of my eyes. And then as an adult, I felt trapped there. Now, as light comes in to shine in our life, you know what begins to happen? We begin to say, well, don't shine your light over here. Because that is, I don't, let's not look at that. Let's not actually shine your light into these areas that I'm ashamed of or embarrassed of. And so as God's light comes into our world and wants to shine his light in our hearts, one of the things that we begin to feel is like, don't look at that, don't do this. For those who are in the medical profession, like, and I've shared this story many, many times. Anytime you have like an accident, I remember I have, I have had stitches several times. I'll tell you this, I've told the stories many times here. One of the times I had stitches, I had a deep cut in my leg. Well, guess what? When you go to the doctor, do you know what they do? They have to dig deep into where your, where your wound is. And that's the same thing with light. When light comes into, when I actually have a, I have a scar right here on the side of my face because I took a bunch of teenagers out when I was a youth pastor and I fell on a bush that had a branch sticking up and it almost pierced my lip. It almost went completely through. And so blood, and so I went and, and where they took, they had a stitch right here. The reason why God's light can sometimes be painful is because God's light isn't meant to ever expose us 
to bring shame into us? How come you wrestle with this? How come you do this thing? He never wants anyone to feel like they can never overcome something. What God's light is meant to do is to actually heal us and bring it to it. So as a, as a good physician, God brings light into the areas that have hampered us, have hurt us, have wounded, sometimes by our own bad decisions and God's light brings those in there and he says, listen, wait a second. You don't have to live like this anymore. Never to expose us or to shame us, but ready to free us. And a lot of people, and this is, not, this is, this is the painful aspect of life. And so for me, being a person who was addicted to all those images, that I would watch, that I would look at online, I began to believe that's something I will never be able to overcome. And then, and then guess what? The light shined in my heart. And he said, not only can you overcome it, but you are more than an overcomer of this. Because greater is me who is in you than this. And then God just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. And now any of my devices you're welcome to have and look at any of the browser history. Why? Because the God that I serve shine a light into the dark places. And, And that's a simple one. The light, the everlasting source shines his light into the darkness and the darkness where we feel rejected or broken or abandoned or alone or isolated and that light shines in there and he speaks into it. I could go in this room and I could ask you, what do you think about yourself? How do you view yourself? And a lot of you would have mixed emotions. Well, there's some things I think are good about me, but there's a whole laundry list of things that make you feel like you are worthless. And that light shines in those places and says, you are not only not worthless, you are worth my life. To those, I mean, everybody, the darkness that is meant to overtake us and to overcome us, the light came in. What? To say, no, that is not truth. Let me speak to who you really are. The light shines in the darkness. It's uncomfortable, maybe even painful, but it can bring freedom. Let me give you another thing about this light. Ready? His light not only wants to shine on our hearts, but he wants to shine on our path. By the way, I love John because it says this, that the word is God. How did God create the world? He created it with speaking into existence with the word. And then what I love about this is this. The Bible says in Psalms, this is that God's word is a light into our path. The word is a person. And what does he shine? He shines into our path. So when we feel stuck, listen to what God does. He shines his light into who we are and then he shines his light into where we need to go. But all of it comes by encountering a person. There is no one like this light that can actually shine his light in our hearts to remind us that, listen, as hopeless as things can feel, he is able to redeem and change. And that not only can he redeem and change our hearts and our minds and the way we think about ourselves or how we view life going on around us, but he also wants to shine his light into our path. And here's the thing. Let me give you another thought. Writing this is what I love about God's light. It's one step at a time. When you shine a light on your path, it doesn't shine a light a mile down the path, you know where that light shines? It shines into your next step. How good is God that he doesn't make it so overwhelming that you have to climb a mountain? All God does is says this, let me shine a light into your path to give you the very next step. Just do this. It's beautiful about God. When I was a junior in high school, I was 16 or 17 years old 
And we, my parents had moved back to the U.S. from living overseas in South America. And I was part of a church in Virginia, uh, in uh, Sterling area. And I was involved with a church. And that church had an incredible youth group. And the youth group was called, by the way, this is so 90s, Fire Escape. I don't know if you grew up in the church or not. But if that's not a 90s youth group name, y'all don't even know. The Fire Escape. We even had a song, F-E, every fr-, And we met on Friday nights, every Friday night. Okay, anyway. Incredible, by the way. Fire escape. <laughs> That's hilarious, by the way. That's so 90s. Y'all don't even know choir, the fire, all that stuff. And so all those gatherings. So it's, anyway, I graduated in 1999, which I, you know, whew, that was before all the things. In my junior year of high school, as our part of youth group, this young lady came in on a Friday night and she started coming to youth group and cool girl and she accepted Christ in our youth group and she got baptized and amazing girl, like just awesome and didn't know a lot about her as we got to know her, found out she's, I mean, it's crazy, crazy story but her name, is, her name is Hillary Fine. I'll show you actually a picture. This is pretty funny but we made a, we made our own yearbook for our youth group. And this is her part of the yearbook. And this is Hillary right here. That's, you know, you can see all the different pictures of who Hillary is. It's really, really cool. And so, but Hillary and her story, as we got to know her, and she, you would never know this by just talking to her and hang out. She's a normal kid. She, her, she came from like money, 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 money. Both her parents were divorced, were high-powered attorneys in Washington, D.C., She lived in a 16-bedroom house that had three kitchens and her brother had a chauffeur to school. Am I talking about money right now? We went to her house to play hide-and-go-seek as a youth group one night. I got lost. I don't know how I ever made it out. (laughs) Had a a lake. You don't know about money. Great Falls, Virginia? Good gracious. And so, well, Hillary, I mean, you would never know this about her. She, she She excelled in school. And so she started coming. We were the same class. She, she was a junior. I was a junior. I got to know her. She gave her life to Christ. She encountered Jesus. And, and it's just incredible. And saw her transform. She was the first person in her family to become a Christian. We graduate high school. Actually, I'll, this is, I'm showing you the picture of this is the yearbook, which is barely held together right now from, from when I was. Actually, in Hillary wrote, I don't have time to read it, but this whole long thing that she wrote in here. Hey, Jeremy, you know, hey, pass it around. Hillary, amazing. Graduate, go to college. Our first freshman year of college, midway through freshman year, Hillary dies. She had a a brain, a blood situation in her brain, aneurysm. And she, she essentially, she essentially drowned in her, in her brain. And I, someone gave me freaking fly miles so I could fly from Indiana all the way back to DC for her funeral. And it was one of the most beautiful funerals we'd ever seen. And an entire family of people from her side came to this funeral where Jesus, the light of the world was declared. And what everyone said was this, Hillary encountered Jesus and her life was never the same. Never the same. Because this person, 
And by the way, she went to an Ivy League school up in New England. She wrote all of us letters. It's like, almost like she knew she was gonna die before she died. I've lost my letter because I've moved around a million times, which breaks my heart. But I'll read you a portion of what she actually, I'm gonna read it real quick. She said this. You were one of the first people that I met when I came to FE. Fire escape! She's talking, it was your smile and friendly, getting, uh, and friendly greeting that impressed me so much and made me feel welcome. And she says, it is this amazing thing that we have that we can actually walk and talk and know God. And she says, I pray that all your heart and these things will be fulfilled as you follow because the spirit of God is good and has a plan and he wants to work in your life like he wants to work in mine. Your sister in Christ. By the way, how churchy is that? Your sister in Christ, Hillary. I wanna invite the worship team to come up. We're gonna end the service with worship. And as the worship team does this, that's one life that was changed. Today we're gonna have four people get baptized in this service, four people in the next service. Think about this God, by the way. This light that comes into the world. Hillary, I saw with my own eyes, get transformed by it and because of it. In Matthew chapter two, in the Christmas story, which we know, the wise men see a star, don't fully know what that was, and it says this, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw a child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down to worship him. So think in our context, these wise men traveled a long distance. They were led a step at a time by light to the light of the world. And when they see this child, they bow down and they worship him. The source and creation of everything is worshiped by these wise men. And says this, then they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I pray that this Christmas season, if you feel stuck, you would re-engage with the everlasting author of creation, who is the source of light, who wants to unstick us in our hearts and he wants to actually work in our path. I'm gonna invite you to stand right now. We're gonna turn our attention to this light. That the God of Hillary, that the God of Jeremy, that the God of every single one of us in this room who have made that declaration, that just like the wise men encountered him and their reaction was to worship him, this God who transforms, this God who leads people to get baptized, to say, I'm making a declaration of newness, that there's a light that shines in the darkness and no one can extinguish it, that he is worthy to be praised today. If you feel stuck, this is the time to remember the light of the hope of the world. I encourage you to turn your attention, your thoughts on him and to see what he wants to do. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.